Since its founding in 1987, Antipodean skincare brand Aesop has been renowned for its commitment to design and hospitality. Each one of the 400 plus Aesop stores is unique, conceived by designers and architects from around the world, but always with the same emphasis on product, place, and people. Today, I'm speaking with Marianne Ladia, Aesop's global retail design director, on the line from Paris. This is the Design Dialogues. Hi, Marianne. It's great to be speaking to you. Um, I'm actually coming in live from Aesop's head office here in Shibuya in Tokyo, where we're recording from one of the beautiful meeting rooms. I believe you're in Paris now? Yes, I'm in my home, so um, I can have a quiet moment with you, you know, um, surrounding by the things I've chosen and that I like, so I feel comfortable. Good, that's great. And hopefully inspired as well. Yes, of course. Tell us a bit about your journey with Aesop. You joined in mm -hmm. 2016 coming from LVMH. How did you start yes. and what's your trajectory been like? Um, so after LVMH, um, I was looking for um, a more creative experience, you know. Um, um, LVMH is, is great, but you know, the, the, the retail concepts are a bit repetitive. So um, I wanted also to keep my retail experience. So of course, Aesop um, came very quickly to my mind, you know, um, I think um, I, I thought at this stage that they were the best. Um, <laughs> I wasn't disappointed. Um, so yes, I joined Aesop, but first as, um, as a store design manager for the America, I had a lot of experience with America in uh, um, at LVMH. So this is what they offered me, you know, to look at the America for Aesop. So I moved to New York, uh, which was a great uh, experience. And this is how I started. Um, um, I went to Australia uh, to understand better the brand. Um, I met with the, with the founder of the brand, Dennis Pathetis. And, um, and yes, then I built a new team there and we built around 50, 60 stores in, in four years. Uh, in the America, then for personal reason, I had to go back uh, to Paris. So this is when they offered me um, a new pos position and to look at um, store design globally for Aesop. Um, a big change, of course, but a very exciting one, you know, to look at, at to supervise all the, the regions and to be the guardian of, of our store design philosophy. That's quite a journey, 60 stores in four years. Sounds like a lot. <laughs> uh, trial by fire. It's it's a lot, but it's 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 um at, at this stage we were in a, in a, in a big expansion in in, in this country. Uh, we opened in new cities like like Nashville, like uh, Denver. You know, we're actually seeing, I think, witnessing some of that expansion now here in Asia with Aesop's expansion mm -hmm. into China. Um, it seems like your team is opening many new stores been beautiful to see and to watch from afar. You mentioned Dennis Pafitas, and we obviously know the story of Emus and how the first Aesop store came to be and 
its kind of history since 1987. But can you give our listeners a brief history on the matter and how Emis and Dennis's story really laid the groundwork for future stores and that ESOP approach to design that's become so singular? So when the first store um, opened in 2003, um, lots of things were learned from uh, Emis. You know, Emis was a hair salon that the company founder, Dennis, had opened in, in 97, and lessons that helped in the creation of an intimate and stimulating ambience, you know. Um, the salon life uh, had taught the, the small, and, and the small number of employees, you know, they, they really um, understand and anticipate the customer needs, you know, um, how to make guests uh, feel welcome and comfortable. Um, so they learn that a space needs a mellow lighting. Um, they learn that acoustic needs to be considered. Um, and they learn that texture and material um, um, needs to work together to create some intimacy and sincerity. So all these principles that, um, that they learned from AMAs, they translated to ESOP. This is how it, it really started. And this is how we create our, our kind of guidelines. I think even that brief history really demonstrates how fundamental design is to ESOP and how it's talked mm -hmm. about and approached with such reverence. One of ESOP's founding principles is that good design improves lives. And we, as a consumer, can see this from product packaging to the interior architecture of the stores, all the way to its offices and the, the lab, which I was fortunate enough to visit in Melbourne earlier this year, actually. What does that principle, good design improves lives, mean to you? And can you talk about that maxim in relation to the principles of ESOP's store design philosophy? So at ESOP, each space is different. Um, it's functional and it's organized. And yes, of course, design improves lives. And, and this is an ethos that um, we look at we look at in every aspect of the company, like from the product packaging to the interior design. You know, it's it's not only the it's not only the architecture; it's also uh, the product that 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 goes with it. Um, architecture is made originally, you know, to protect the human, to support the human body, to help us in our way of life. So our desire is to provide. To our staff and our customer a physical environment that is healthy and that will give them the, the ability to flourish. And there's also a sense of uh, archiving. Design elements and furniture pieces are kept and reused in other projects. Uh, I remember Susan Santos in Melbourne spoke about how the original trolley that was first used in Emis is still in the ESOP archive. Mm -hmm. um, you know, those kinds of early anecdotes really again, show that commitment to design. And um, the stores and offices often feature quite iconic design pieces that, and then the rest of the interiors kind of reference those. Can you talk about that? How did a skincare brand become a, a design collector? I don't think a uh, design collector is the right term, you know. By that, I mean, it is not really our intent to create um, a collection. Um, it is true, we like to source um, objects and furniture. And, and sometimes, you know, the, the the design of, of a store turn, turns around one of these uh, furniture that, that we found, you know, and that, that 
fit very well the space. Um, and it's not systematic, you know, that we have um, 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 vintage furniture in our store. You know, it, it really depends on each store. But I believe these objects, you know, um, they already have some history. You know, they have age already. And they actually, they really help us to provide some warmth and, and, and the domestic feeling that we are looking uh, for, for our spaces. Can we talk about that domestic quality and aesthetic? I think Aesop mm-hmm. stores around the world, no matter where they are, you know, street side in a mall, Tokyo, Toronto, they have that that domestic home comfort feel. Why is that? Why is it important that it feels like home? Our approach to store design is based on, a, like I say earlier, you know, on a careful understanding of the of the UN being, you know, its body. Um, where do you feel the more comfortable? Isn't it your home? You know, the place where you have, as I said in the introduction, you know, where you have your the object you chose, the smell of the food you like to cook and eat, you know, the, the place where you, you rest. So I think this is what we mean by, by domesticity. And I think this is where how comfortable we want our customer to feel. And, and at Aesop, because our customer come to us to speak about their skin, you know, which is one of the most precious and intimate part of your body, mm-hmm. uh, we try to control the en- environment to ensure we, we create the best conditions, you know. Um, our products are very personal. Um, they touch the skin, you know, so we really want to create this this um, this environment this, uh, for the customer to to freely speak about about his uh, his uh, intimacy. It's quite a vulnerable space to be, I think. Even I'm thinking mm-hmm. about the en suites mm-hmm. where you kind of go in, and if you're wearing makeup, you wash off your makeup, and these things can kind of become feel a bit mm-hmm. like a shedding of the skin. And so to do that in public, it really needs to be in a space that feels quite safe and quite yeah, comforting. Yeah. I want to talk about the idea of circularity and continuity and reusing old materials. That's another characteristic mm-hmm. of Aesop's design. I'm thinking of even the new Tokyo store here by Joe Nagasaka, which is, you know, the shelves are made mm-hmm. from timber taken from a, a home that's about to be torn down. Or you've got the the pages of the Paris Review in New York or in Hong Kong, there's that um, kind of floorboard that's been turned into mosaic and there's the sustainability aspect but it's about so much more than that too with Aesop the material is often the message can you talk about this material continuity as a value and why that's so important to kind of reuse and and reference and and bring back materials I think uh, let's start with the sustainable side as a big cop we are committed to to become a fully regenerative company um it's very hard to get there, but we're doing um, our best. And I think with, with time, we are improving ourselves, you know. Um, we, what the fundamental is, we ask our architect to take responsibility for the impact of their design. And, and I think this is, this is an obligation, you know. We, we all see the, the world where we live. And, and this is like the, the first direction we give now to, to our um, to our architect. Based on that, um, of course, um, every time we have the opportunity, we are saving um, when we start the demolitions and we see 
um, beautiful things from, from the past, you know, a, a floor that just need to be repatched or uh, things like that, you know, we, we will almost adapt the design to these things, you know, um, then of course we're trying to, um, to find local materials, you know, there's no reason and no way we're going to ship marble from Italy or these kind of things, you know, like we will, if we want a, a store with, with some stone, we will look at what the local stone, you know, um, it's, it's always our intention to be grounded by an approach of, of architectural restraint and modesty. Um, and for that, we prefer to go with quality instead of opulence. And, and to, to speak about materiality, you know, uh, we always say that we try to be as much as possible uh, monomaterial, monochromatic, you know. We are not decorators, we're architects. And architecture, emotion of architecture is given by the shape of the space, the, the volumes, you know, not the layers of, of materials. So that's first um, how we source our material and then the quantity, you know, we will use in the space, you know. The philosophy of achieving the maximum effect with the minimal amount of materials, that's something that's synonymous mm -hmm. with Aesop, with that's Aesop's approach. This belief in simplicity and humility what effect does using the minimum amount of materials create generally? Why why a monomaterial approach? Opulence of material can almost distract your eyes, you know, from 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 the simplicity of the space, the simplicity or or the complexity of the volume, you know, depending on that. In if we want people to 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 focus on 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 one thing, you know, not on on looking at at, at the ceiling and the floor and everywhere, you know, like, so we believe that the, the simplicity, the, the humility of the space will first will, you will feel uh, more comfortable to, to enter, you know, more comfortable to sit. Um, I don't think we need this all richness, opulence of, of material to, uh, yeah, to, to feel comfortable and, and to, to understand the architecture. We have no fear at Aesop to, to present the, the the structure of the building, you know, um, it's what what matters. It, it's really that the 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 product and the 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 street, you know, it's all these all these things to get, you know, the materials speak to the product, the the the, the materials speak to the street, to to the country that we are entering, you know, mm. it's all this this these elements together that needs to work. I think the emphasis on one or two materials helps to bring or kind of um, hone in on the value or communal memory around that material as well, um, how an ESOP space kind of always reflect, reflects its community and context and they mm -hmm. feel embedded, like they know the environment and the people who make up the neighborhood. It doesn't kind of feel alien. There's no one-size-fits-all approach. It's quite the opposite. So I'm curious about that process of getting to know a neighborhood and, and becoming a part of it in, in an authentic way. What does that look like? How does that process go? I believe we are authentic. First, because um, we work with architects um, who, um, who lived where where we build our stores you know and and we give them the the freedom to to um to express their own feeling of the space 
of the space and of the context, you know, um, then because we have incredible local teams inside ESOP that inspire us and that guide us um, um, through the, the spaces and, and the customer that, that might visit us, you know, so um, this is why I believe we're authentic. Um, our method is, is to connect with with the local context, you know, um, we want to create something of of merit without disrupting its its integrity. That that's our our wish, you know. And and this is why each store is different, and this is why we're looking for local architects. Dennis said in an interview that he believes there is a, a direct correlation between interesting, captivating store spaces and customer traffic and interest within a store. Can you talk a bit about that, about how the how a space kind of draws the community in? It goes a bit with the previous answer, you know, when where I was talking about the fact that we were working with with local people, um, but um, it's kind of um, of a symphony, you know, um, to make sure the experience um, is the best uh, for for our customer and, and to invite them to return, you know, it's, it's from the tactility of each material we're using, um, to the temperature and the lighting, but about the community, you know, it's, we try, we're not trying to be too literal, but we're trying to bring something that will remind them, um, the street where they live or, or, or the country where they live. I, I, I don't know if I, if I'm clear, but, um, I'm going, I'm going to take, um, an example that, that, that really, um, concerned me, you know, when I had to design this store in LA, um, my feeling of, of LA was, was a swimming pool, you know? And so all, all my idea around this design was about the swimming pool. And then I realized that, the artist Ed Rocha made a book um, um, about swimming pool in LA. Mm. So, you know, like there's this kind of, of, of connections, you know, um, and this is what we're, we're trying to, um, to, ins to insert in, in our spaces, you know, something not literal, but something that will remain, will remind you um, the, the city where you are, the, the, the street where you are. Um, Sometimes they, they don't realize it, you know, mm. uh, but they, they feel the store belongs to, to them, you know, mm. but they, they don't know why. But in fact, there's lots of details and there's lots of work uh, um, before, you know, we, we decide to, uh, to, to implement this. And um, we, we just opened a store in, in Sochon, in, in Seoul, and we, we work with this guy who had his office in the same street. So, um, of course, he's very talented and he's very poetic in his architecture, but he, he brought all of that in the store and it's really beautiful. It's, it's, uh, it, 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 I, I, I hope and I think it really talks to Seoul people, you know, and maybe they will re, re, it will remind them something of their grandmother, but they, they, 
they 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 don't know why you see this is really mm -hmm. what we try to achieve sometimes that was um Seo Sung Mo right in Seoul yes and yes, he yes, he yes. kind of did the the overarching design inspired by these traditional Korean pavilions mm -hmm. you can really get that sense I've obviously only seen pictures but the reference is there if you've seen it it kind of resonates with you if you've seen a, one of those pavilions but in a very contemporary way you know like so it's it's really little touches of of the architecture that remind mm. you this, this this pavilion i just visited the new hollywood road store in hong kong this week mm -hmm. it's beautiful yeah. and I've lived in Hong Kong for almost seven years and I had the exact same experience as that. I walked in and I, it just felt so Hong Kong for me. The curves, the white tiles, the plants. I felt like I was in Kowloon Park and it was just, it just made me feel so, just the reference was so warming, I think, and so familiar. I'm very pleased to hear oh, it. it. Was, it's <laughs> because beautiful. This is exactly it. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. I really the got, references, you got it. <laughs> yeah, I got to to feel that firsthand. I actually just, I get this feeling in my heart when I think about it because it's so like nostalgic almost. Not, I don't know what the feeling is for like nostalgia when you're still there, that that sense of familiarity. I like the word nostalgia because again, I, I really think this is where we believe we are authentic, you know, to mm. bring this emotion. Yeah. Um, of maybe, maybe the white eyes is a bit too literal this time. I don't know, but uh but at least to bring this this emotion, it's it's so important to us. I'm sure for many designers and architects, it's ESOP is up there with their dream clients. Can you tell us about that process? How ESOP comes to work with these designers or firms? What's the criteria when selecting them? What does the relationship building look like? So it's it's an organic process, and by that, I <laughs> I think I want to say that there's no process, you know. Um, Suzanne Santos, the co-founder of ESOP, say that the brand was built on conversations. So we're not really selecting architects. I always say that it always starts with conversations. Of course, we, we reach out uh, to architects when uh, we see some of, of their work that I what that we feel will connect with ESOP and sometimes they reach out to us as well and, and we, we, we always welcome that. But it always starts around the conversation you know with a good meal or a good coffee a good glass of wine where we we they speak about their work we speak about our 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 brand you know and we feel it if there's a connection you know so we there should be a mutual respect i think it's it's very important you know understanding that we we have um um some guidelines you know and and they they we understand they should have the freedom, you know, to, to provide their own vision of the space, you know. So it's really this this mutual respect. Um, we present our objective and 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 allow the architect to to interpret this with original concepts, you know. Um, it looks very simple like this, but sometimes it takes a year, you know, like because we also try to give the right location to to the right architect, you know. Um, our um, our management team will decide to open a store in Thailand. Um, they will just mention it. So we will start to look at architects in Thailand. Mm. Um, we'll start the discussion with them, even without a location. And where we where we're lucky is that ESOP is, is well known. So they we are already we are always 
um, very nicely welcome, you know, um, and we start the conversation, we pose, you know, and then as soon as we have the right location for them, we, we call them, you know, it's, it's, it's really like building, it's about building relationship, you know, over time. Does the design team, ESOP's in-house design team, collaborate with any producers or more creatives in, that aren't designers or architects, like writers or photographers, or do you have any kind of interdisciplinary collaborations? Yes, yes, yes. I'm sure you, you've seen, I'm sure, I don't know, maybe you have seen um, our last store in New York, uh, where we collaborate with um, with a photographer um, on the ceiling. I don't know if you've seen this. It's uh, it's La Prade, you know. It's it's very beautiful. Sometimes we also work with designers like Fabio Vogel, you know, mm. uh, who design vases and objects for us. Um, they they inspire us, you know. These ex external architects, these photographers, these these um, designers, they they really inspire us. Um, and they, by their talent and by giving their, their own vision of the space, it's, it's important. The, the, the difficulty is to make sure everything goes well together. It's a symphony that I was talking about earlier. Apparently, before any projects begin, collaborators are sent three books, um, Peter Zimter's mm -hmm. Atmospheres, Gaston Bachelard's the Poetics of Space, and Junichiro Tanizaki's In Praise of Shadows. Why these three books? Okay. Uh, it's not an obligation huh, to, to read. Most, most of yeah. the time, uh, <laughs> most of the time, actually, the, the architects we work with, yes, the, most of the time they, they, they have read them already, mm. you know, they, during their studies. You know, these are these three books, and there's a bit more, um, <laughs> First, it's not the old book; it's some um, some um, extract of the books. You know, um, they are from the fundamentals of our occupation of of architects. You know, it's it's more like a reminder how to use inspiration and emotion to create architecture. You know, this goes with Zumtor, the human relationship with interior spaces and the emotional of the architecture of a home. Um, thinking of of, of Bachelard and. And of course, the importance of the light um, and the shadow um, um, together uh, that the sun can create, and you know, so it's it's more like reminders. And and for example, we're also giving some examples of building. You know, um, this inspiration have been selected to provide an aesthetic pool that that we feel um, appropriately references project and and design thinking. Um, but we're not thinking for them to, to replicate it, you know, it's just, it's just images that we suggest, you know, before to, to, to begin an ESOP project. Kind of like just to put them in the, the space of, an, of, an, of ESOP's world and, and thinking. Yeah, exactly. You know, to, in those... to give the, 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 the right mood to start, you know? Yes. Mm -mm. And um, before we wrap up, just a couple more questions. I'm obviously not going to ask you to pick your favorite store, mm -hmm. but I would love to know if one or two stores are particularly meaningful for you personally and, and why. All the stores I've been involved are meaningful to me. <laughs> you know, uh, each of them required so much work, so much passion um, to make sure we deliver, we deliver the right space to, to, to the right place and customer, you know. Um, 
I'm sorry to compare it, but it's like each store is a new baby for us, you know. Um, so all the new stores, it's uh, it's our our most meaningful. But um, if I had to choose two, I'll mention Isop Century City, the one in LA. It's it's one of the stores I designed myself at the very beginning. I think this is how I get a bit of trust from Aesop and from Denis. So this one, you know, is, a, is, a, is of course, it's really, really meaningful to me. Another one, um, I think because you're in Tokyo, um, I hope you've been to Aesop Tokyo yes. um, by Ogata. It's, yes. I think... I think this is the most beautiful example of domesticity at, at Aesop. Um, all the references and all the beautiful Japanese details. It's this one. I think is um, is a beautiful example of of what we're trying to achieve at Aesop. Absolutely, and hopefully our listeners in those cities will head over and have a look mm. with with some more context behind it now. And my last question, Marianne, if I could ask you to describe Aesop in just three words, which words would you use? That's a very hard question. I think Aesop is unique, for sure. That's that's the first word that, that comes to my mind. Definitely sensorial. Um, we always speak about the five sense. And and as as we say, we smell Aesop before, before we, we see it. And I think mm-hmm. this is true. And I would say care, take care of yourself, take care of, of what's around you, you know. Um, and I think, I think this is what the company is, 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 is trying to achieve, you know, uh, the notion of, of care. Unique sensorial care. I like that. Marianne, thank you so much for your time today. It's been such a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much. It was a, it was a pleasure.